The following is from East Delta Baptist Church. For more information, visit us online at www.eastdeltabc.com. Let's give our praise team a hand this morning. Uh, I want to tell you folks, uh, they work every week. Uh, They uh, come on Wednesday nights, and they're here a lot of nights till 9 o'clock on Wednesday nights, and we we start at 7.30. The praise team starts at 7.30, working on the music, and uh, they are committed not to perform to you, but to help you uh, be led to the point of worship, and uh, sometimes there's new songs, and you know, the Bible says we're to praise the Lord with hymns and songs and spiritual songs and psalms, and that's what we try to do here is have a good uh, a good uh, selection of all of those things, and uh, I really do appreciate their work and their commitment uh, so many times when you start something like this, it'll go and it'll fade away, but instead it's, it's remained strong for nearly three years now, I believe, and uh, so I do appreciate their commitment and their work uh, in our worship service. If you would, or if you want to turn to uh, Exodus chapter 11, chapter 12 this morning, we're going to finish up on what I started last week. I love a lot of topics in the Bible. I mean, I, I like to uh, I like to preach and I like to uh, to reveal what God's Word has to say. Uh, not so much for uh, you as for me. I, I love to study something, and find something, and and see how it applies, and then share that with others. But there's two topics that probably are, are my among my favorite, and uh, one of them is Revelation. I, I love the Book of Revelation. I uh, I love to study it. I've preached through the book of Re- Revelation two times since I've been at this church. And uh, I love to look at prophecy. And, of course, that falls right in with Daniel and uh, that, that book, how it goes uh, along with Revelation. And uh, the other thing is the Passover. Uh, I love to, to talk about the Passover and to uh, be reminded of what the Passover is all about. And that's what we did last week. We primarily looked at uh, the, the Passover, and we looked at Exodus 11, and if you want to read this morning while I'm talking, you can start there in uh, verse 1 of chapter 11 of Exodus and read all the way through, uh, to verse tw- uh, through chapter 12, uh, but we talked last week about a couple of things about the Passover. This morning, we're going to finish that up, that finish that up. but just for a quick review, I'm not going to spend a lot of time here. I want to just remind you what's happened. Uh, You probably already know this, but it'll be a good review. Uh, Moses and Aaron has gone before Pharaoh to have him uh, let the people, uh, uh, the Hebrew children go, and they went to Pharaoh, and they said, let my people go according to God. And he said, who is this God or who is Jehovah that I should obey his voice and let the children of Israel go? And so God has been revealing himself through the plagues of who he is. Uh, I reminded you last week, the last plague that uh, Moses went before Pharaoh. Pharaoh said, okay, if you come before my, me again, I'm going to kill you. I'm, I'm fed up with this. So Moses said, okay, uh, I'm not going to come before you again. But the Lord said to Moses in Exodus 11, 1, I'll bring one more plague on Pharaoh and on Egypt, and afterwards he'll let your people go. And when he lets you go, he'll surely drive you out altogether. And we talked about that word that was used. It's a stroke. That word 
means a, a stroke, and it, it's, a, uh, it, it's, it's more disastrous than the other nine plagues that we've already seen. And it has to do with a stroke of judgment and punishment. And I'll remind you again that this judgment and this punishment was for all. Uh, it wasn't just for the people of Egypt, but also for the Hebrew children, the Israelites. And the Lord said this, hey, this judgment, I'm going to send uh, punishment, I'm going to send judgment upon all the people, and I'll pass through the land, Exodus twelve twelve says, and uh, on Egypt that night, and I will strike all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, both man and beast, against all the gods of Egypt. I will execute judgment, for I am the Lord. So during that time, we need to remember this, that no one's good enough to escape the Lord's judgment. God's own chosen people, the Hebrew children, even they were not going to escape this judgment, but God gave a way. God said, I have a plan for that, and I, I remind you of the scripture, we're not going to read it this morning, Deuteronomy 7, 7 and 8, where it says, hey, uh, you know, Hebrew children, you weren't selected because of your great numbers or because you were mighty, but, but simply God has chosen you, and he's stretched out his mighty hand to redeem you from the bondage of Egypt. And, and so uh, they were saying, we need you to understand this, that this judgment, you're not... You're not too good, and no one's too good. You know, during this time, and especially after Christ came, remember what the Pharisees always thought? They always said, hey, we're, we're, through, the, we're through the line of Abraham. So all of a sudden, that gives us automatic interest into heaven. We, we're, we're people of the covenant, the old covenant. And that's what all the New Testament's about. The New Testament is this. Look, Jesus came, and there's a new covenant. And the new covenant is my blood, and we're going to share in that in just a moment. But the new covenant that, that the, the, the Israelites rejected was Jesus Christ. That's the new covenant. And we're living in that covenant age right now called the church age. We're living in the new covenant age. And Christ came, but through that, we need to understand that there's not one group. You know, my mom, my dad, my grandfather, my great-grandfather, they were all in the ministry so surely that gives me some kind of ticket. No, that doesn't mean anything. Well, I came to church every Sunday, and I listened to the pastor, and I did all the good things I could do. That doesn't mean anything, because no one is good enough to escape God's judgment. As we look at this, and we realize that a lot of the plagues, the Hebrew children didn't have to deal with, but this last stroke of punishment and judgment also included them. So I think it's good for us to remember there's no one good enough to escape God's judgment. Here's the second thing we talked about last week. Deliverance came through faith. Deliverance came through faith. 11.28, Hebrews 11.28 says, By faith they kept the Passover and the sprinkling of blood, lest he who destroyed the firstborn should touch them. Exodus 12, 3-7 <laughs> reminds us, speak to all the congregation of Israel, saying, On the tenth of every month, on the tenth of this month, every man shall take for himself a lamb according to his house of his father, a lamb for a household. And if the household is too small for a lamb, then let him go to his neighbor next to him, to his house, take it according to the number of his persons, according to each man's need. You should make 
your count for the lamb. Verse 5, your lamb shall be without blemish, a male of the first year. You may take it from the sheep or from the goats, and now you shall keep it until the 14th day of the same month. The whole assembly of a congregation of Israel shall kill it at twilight, and they shall take some of the blood and put it on the two doorposts and on the lintel of the house where they eat it. And that's the Passover, the death angel's coming. And God instructed the, the Hebrew children to take a, a, a spotless lamb without blemish and to, to post that blood on the doorpost and across the top. And when the death angel came, he would pass over that house. And since that time, there's been a Passover feast among the Israelites celebrating that time that the Lord passed over. So even though there was no one to escape God's judgment... Through faith, God gave deliverance. And His deliverance was a, was a great plan and it required one thing we talked about last week. It required obedience and faith. Now, I say one thing and give you two words, but faith is obedience. That, that goes hand in hand. Those, those things move together. So God said, here's my plan for deliverance. Hebrew children, if you want to be delivered from this death angel that's coming... Here's the thing. Take the blood of the Lamb and cover your doorpost. And simply through believing that and then following through in obedience and following through in faith, they were delivered. It was made very clear that nothing but the blood of the Passover Lamb would save the life of the firstborn. Nothing but the blood. What can take away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. When you read this, you understand this, there is only one thing that covers our sins. When someone says to you, well, I just try to live a good life, I try to help others, I give to charities, that can't wash away our sins. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And they say, well, you're just a Baptist and you Baptists believe that way. That has nothing to do with that because it says right in God's Word, Hebrews 9.22, without the shedding of blood, there can be no remission of sins. See, it's not something that churches got together and said, hey, let's, let's put this together, it sounds good. God Himself said, for the sins of the world have to be covered with blood. In other words, something has to die. And that's where we're going to start this morning. Exodus said the blood would be a sign, this is twelve thirteen, that the blood would be a sign for you in the houses where you are, that when I see the blood I will pass over you, and the plague shall not be on you to destroy you when I strike the land of Egypt. I want to read one more scripture, Exodus twelve twenty nine through 30 And it came to pass at midnight that the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, just as He promised He would do. Folks, we can't say, well, one of these days, maybe God is going to look and say, man, I, I'm, just, I'm not going to go ahead and follow through with my... That's not going to happen. If God ever went back on promise of judgment, He would be uncredible in everything else. So when God says there has to be the shedding of blood for the remission of sins, that's going to be for all eternity. And he followed through on his promise. It came to pass at midnight the Lord struck all the firstborn in the land of Egypt, the firstborn from a Pharaoh who sat on his throne to the firstborn of the captive who was in the dungeon and all the firstborn of the livestock. So Pharaoh rose at night, he, all of his servant, and all the Egyptians, and there was a great cry in all of Egypt, for there was not a house where there was not one dead. And we talked about last week, no one's good enough to escape God's judgment. And deliverance came 
only through faith. And I mentioned just now our third point and where we're going to start this morning is this. Somebody's got to die. The death of a lamb or the death of a firstborn. Did you catch that? In the Passover, something had to die. It was either going to be the death of a lamb or a goat, or it was going to be the death of a firstborn child. But that judgment was going to be upon all. And today, God taught us that, that there must be death to atone for sin. Matter of fact, He tells us in Scripture, the wages of sin is death. The payment of sin is death. And it's either going to be death of the offender or the death of some innocent substitute. Did you hear that? It's going to be the death of the offender or the death of an innocent substitute. What did the lamb have to do with this? The lamb was just an innocent bystander. He was born, the lamb was born, he, was, he didn't have any defects, he was just a, a perfect lamb. But God said, I'm going to require the death, an atoning sacrifice, of either the one who has offended, or this innocent lamb. So when we think about that, God, what does God ask us to do today in order to be saved? What does He require of us in order to be saved? He asks us to believe upon Him and act upon that belief. Now, I think that word act there is the, the tripping point for so many people. I think so many people say, I believe in God. I think I told you last week or at some point in the past, uh, there, there was a survey that said, Nine out of ten people in America say they believe in God. That's hard to believe, isn't it? Look around at our world today and say, how can nine out of ten people say they believe in God and live the way they do? It's that word act. Believing and acting upon what you believe. That's the key to the whole thing because Romans 3.23 says, All have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. Every person, all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. The thing that I always like to remind you of, and this was brought to my attention several years ago. We were watching a Bible study by Les Feldick, and some of you men were here and were a part of that. And we were studying through the book of Romans. It was just a men's study. And as we studied through that book, we went to that passage of Scripture, and he started talking about how we've inherited that sin from Adam and Eve. I'd always known that, but... But he began to say, you know, if someone says to you, well, I've, I've lived a good life and I've tried not to sin and I've provided for my family and my friends and I've given and I've done this and I've done this and I've done this. You know how to answer that? It doesn't matter. You don't have to go back to that one day and say, oh, I told a lie in first grade. You have to understand this. You're sinful by nature. You inherited sin by nature. So when we say that, and, and God says, all have sinned, and all have fallen short of the glory of God, if you can't go back and remember that day, just remember this. Because of your great, 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 great grandfather, Adam, you've inherited a nature of sin. Every one of us. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short. But later in Romans 6.23, Jesus says this through Paul, the wages, the payment of sin is death. Listen, but... The gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. When we go back to that Passover, the Lord's judgment of this, there's going to be death, and the death angel's going to come, and it's going to be that second death. But if you take the blood of the Lamb, 
and you place it around your doors and on the doorpost and on the lintel. But if you take the blood of God, there's a gift of life. According to Romans 5 and 6 through verse 8, For when we were still without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. For scarcely a righteous man will someone die, yet perhaps for a good man, someone would even dare to die. But listen to verse 8. If you don't have this underlined in your Bible, I want you to take your Bible, turn to Romans chapter 5, verse 8, and underline this scripture, but God demonstrated his love towards us, that in while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You know what? If people come to church and they hear a message and they say, man, my life's in a mess and I'm involved in this situation or that situation and and I, I, I just can't come to God right now. You know what? That is so backwards because we can't get sin straightened out in our life until we have God the Father directing us that way. And when we read this scripture and realize God demonstrated his own love for us, yet while we were sinners, while we were still in our sin... Not after we got our act cleaned up and got to living a little better and, and got all our wild oats sowed. Not after those things. In the middle of our sin, God sent His Son and He died for us. In order to be saved, we need to accept that. If we go over to Revelation and it talks about God searched all of heaven and He looked for one that could pay the price for our sin. And it says He found one lamb... And it was Jesus Christ, and he sent that lamb, Jesus Christ, to die upon a cross that we might take the blood of Jesus and that we might be covered with the blood of Jesus. You know what that means? When death comes, that death, and the Bible talks in Revelation about that second death, that eternal damnation, that death that that leads in hell, that when that death angel comes and he sees the blood of Jesus, you know what he does? He passes over us. Because we have the blood of Jesus covering us. So when we think about this, somebody's got to die for sin. That innocent lamb, the lamb of Jesus Christ, the lamb of God, has taken the sins of us and placed them upon His Son. God placed them on His Son, Jesus Christ, that we might have the blood of the Passover upon us and that that, that second death will not be a part of it. Now, don't, don't think I'm saying that we're never going to die because Hebrews says everybody's going to die. And everybody's going to stand before God. But you know what? There's going to be others that stand before God lost. And that second death that Revelation speaks about is that death of damnation. But, but those who have, who have a, a taken that blood of Jesus Christ and have been covered with the blood of Jesus will never be a part of that death. That death that's mentioned in Genesis about, you know, the death came and that separated us from God, that spiritual death. When we're born again, we'll never take part in that spiritual death. That would have been an excellent place for a bunch of amens. Listen, the Hebrew children, they got the word of the Lord. They had never done it. We talked about this last week. There wasn't a precedent for that. They had never heard this. They had never read it. They had never seen it. They had never practiced it. But they got the word of the Lord and they said, Okay, we believe in God. We believe in His word. And they didn't stop with that belief. They put it into action. You know, they could have sat there in their homes and went and killed a lamb. 
went and prepared it as it was supposed to be prepared on the right day at the right time. They could have got all the family together. They could have went through all the steps. But if they had failed to use the blood, that death angel that night would have taken their first loved ones. See, it's, it's, a, it's a process of obedience. Following through with the blood of the Lamb. Here's my last thing this morning. Following God, it, it always makes a difference. Listen to what it says. It says, Thus all the children of Israel did, just as the Lord had commanded Moses and Aaron, so they did it. And it came to pass that on that very same day that the Lord brought the children of Israel out of the land, out of Egypt, according to their armies. When the Israelites stepped out of their homes that night that followed that, that night that the Lord's judgment had passed through the land, it was a matter of simple faith. It was a matter of simple obedience. They had no idea they were making history. I want you to think about this. When we accept Jesus Christ as our Lord, all eternity is affected. Isn't that amazing? All of eternity is affected. Folks, when you lead someone to Jesus Christ, you've affected their whole eternity. We can't even begin to imagine what eternity's like. But all eternity is affected. History's been made. Nehemiah 9, 9, and 10 says this, You saw the affliction of our fathers in Egypt and heard their cry by the Red Sea. You showed signs and wonder against Pharaoh and against all of his servants and against all the people of his land, for you knew that they acted proudly against them. So listen, you made a name for yourselves, which remains until this very day as it is this day. Do you hear what it says? You made a name for yourself. You made history. He's talking about the children of Israel. You, you made history for yourself. Now, I want, to, I, want to, I want you to think about this this morning. You may be finding yourself in some new territory spiritually. You may be moving into an area that, that you've never been before. You're not familiar with that. And, and that's what the, the Hebrew children did. They, they moved into a, a new area they had never seen before. And I want you to consider this. Have you ever thought about maybe God has something bigger for you? Maybe God has something more for you? than you've ever imagined. Maybe God has something that you say, you know, I never even thought about that. Children of Israel, they never thought about what God had in store for them. You know what it takes to get there? It takes obedience and faith. Hey, hey, what if God has something back? When we look at our lives and we look back and we say, well, I'm puzzled about why I was here and how I got here and how did this happen in my life... Maybe it's not so much the fact that we were, we were just mystified about God's will. Maybe it was more the fact that we were stubborn and we were resisting God's will. Because if we're living and remaining in God's will, He has new beginnings for us. He has blessings for us that's beyond measure. We could go, man, I could start right here and we could go through uh, the rest of Exodus and Deuteronomy and just see how the children of Israel responded. You know, they would respond in faith and then... All of a sudden, after they would respond in faith, they would rebel against God and they'd miss out on a blessing. Then they would come back to God and He'd begin to bless them and give them lands and they'd fall away and they'd miss out on a blessing. And then they'd come back to God and He'd begin to restore their land and give them lands and give them titles and they would rebel against God and he'd, they'd miss out on His blessing. 
Father, for uh, for us folks, we, we don't need to miss out on God's blessings. God has something for us. The children of Israel made history, and Pharaoh became history. That's the difference we see. This morning, I want you to think about, we started out last week talking about nine one one and what happened in nine one one with the bombing. And I'm sure all of you remember this, or a lot of you remember this. Flight 93 crashed in Pennsylvania. Before that happened, there was a passenger that spoke with a GTE operator, and she told him what had happened at the World Trade Center. During this conversation, it lasted about 20 minutes. I remember the conversation, but I didn't remember the details. This conversation lasted about 20 minutes, and he asked this operator, will you pray with me? And they recited the 23rd Psalms together. Y'all remember what he said following that? Let's roll. There was, there was four other words he said before he said that. The let's roll is the part we all remember. He asked this, are you guys ready? Let's roll. And, of course, that's history uh, from now on. So I want to ask you, where is your sin today? We've all sinned. Where is it? And beyond where is it, how is it going to be judged? How will your sin be judged? It can only be judged one of two places. It can be judged upon you. And in that case, you're going to bear that sin's judgment. I mean, there's only two choices. It's going to be placed upon you just like it was placed on the firstborn of Egypt. Because of that sin, that, that judgment was placed upon them. Or, this glorious possibility that we have before us is this, it can be placed on Jesus Christ. So when you think about it, ask yourself, where is my sin today? And how is it going to be judged? Am, am I going to give account for my sin? Or am I going to allow Jesus Christ to take my sin and stand in my place? Would you bow your heads with me this morning?